0: Welcome to Menopause Reimagined. I'm your host, Andrea Donsky. I'm a nutritionist for more than 18 years, and I'm in menopause. I'm a menopause educator, menopause researcher, and I'm the co-founder of WeAreMorphus.com, a company that empowers you to take control of your health and symptoms as you enter into perimenopause and menopause. Today, I'm speaking with Danielle Métive. She's a scientist, a health coach, and a mom with Hashimoto's. After 20 years of working on climate science and policy, and nearly 30 years of living with Hashimoto's, she decided to change careers and study functional medicine. Now she uses her science training and passion to help other women with thyroid problems boost their energy and metabolism to lose weight and get their lives back. Danielle is also a really good friend of mine. We met on TikTok, and I am so excited for you to hear this interview because it is so in-depth. And you're going to learn a lot. Now, here's Danielle. Welcome to Menopause Reimagine, Danielle.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So, this is take two. So, for all of you (laughs) listening, (laughs) Danny and I, well, I call her Danny. So, Danielle and I did an interview, an amazing interview. It was like a two hour interview all about thyroid (laughs) health Uh, a month or two ago. And technology unfortunately failed me and I did not, it did not save and I couldn't find it. So I so appreciate you redoing the interview uh, and coming on our podcast again. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I'm happy to be here. And you and I have spent way more than two hours talking about thyroid health. So this is nothing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Then we get to hang out and talk. So that's awesome. So one of the things is, and I learned so much from you and Understanding thyroid health, I've had thyroid issues my whole, like really my pretty much my entire adult life. I've been on thyroid medication for well over 20 years. And I just, I feel like as we go into perimenopause and menopause, we know that things are shifting and changing. And that is especially true for our thyroid health. And one of the first things I tell women all the time, first line of defense, when they're, when they're feeling symptoms, they're exhausted, their libido is you know, non-existent, and we'll go through all the other symptoms with you. I tell them, go to your doctor, please, healthcare provider, go get your thyroid tested, and we're gonna talk about the test to get done. So can you just, let's start with sharing a little bit about what happens to our thyroid health as we go into this phase of life.
1: Great question. So I often think of our hormones, all of them, it's kind of like a dance. So we talk about the endocrine system, that's a group of glands in your body that produce hormones that act somewhere else. That's what it literally means, the endocrine gland. Those are the pituitary, your adrenals, your thyroid, um, ovaries and so on. And these hormones are very intricately connected. So like I said, it's a dance, they all influence each other. So when one starts to shift, they all start to shift and that's that's how it's supposed to work. It's like, again, you know, the violins get a louder, the, the bassoon gets a little lower, right? Like there's things happen. Um, when those shifts happen, we want to be aware and tune into how those are happening because they don't necessarily always happen exactly where we want to. So as estrogen jobs, your thyroid may shift, your adrenals are going to shift. And if we're, say, um, tired, surprise, surprise, because of stress, other stressors in life, those shifts are not going to happen as smoothly as we want them to. Because women have such a complicated um, hormone dance going on, we are much more likely for that to have things kind of get off balance when these major transitions happen. So in fact, puberty, pregnancy and menopause are the three times that women are most likely to encounter issues with their thyroid. Hmm.
0: And that makes sense. And I know that you always say that there are th- there's thyroid hormone on in, I think it's in every cell of our body and explain what the thyroid does and why making sure that our thyroid is in the optimal range, not the normal range is so important.
1: Right, so it's funny because the thyroid itself is a very simple organ. It's right here, it looks like this. Here's my little fuzzy thyroid. My, I have my yeah, too. Yay! The other <laughs> thyroid here and those little dots of the parathyroid glands. Um, it is definitely not this large. Your thyroid is about this big. It sits here right on your, wraps around your a windpipe. And um, the thyroid is actually a very simple gland. It really, it makes two hormones. Well, a little bit of a third one. It makes thyroid hormone, um, some thyroxine T4, we call it. It makes a little bit of T3 and then it makes something called calcitonin, which we're not gonna talk about. That's about calcium balance in the body. That's really not what's involved in in this conversation. But the main thing it makes is this thyroxine, this T4. That's it, that's really its job. It makes this one thing. Um, But that one thing is unbelievably important in your body. It is one of the most important hormones in the body. And that's because every single cell, as you said, needs thyroid hormone in order to function. Everyone, your brain cells, your hair cells, your your liver cells, your lung cells, your muscle cells, your skin cells, your every single one. And so, and it's, and I think of it as like, some people say like your thyroid's like the engine or thermostat thyroid hormone is like the gas pedal in the car. You can have all the fuel you want, but you can have, you can have the ability to make fuel. But if each cell doesn't get the instruction to push down on the pedal, it's not going anywhere. Or another way of thinking of it is if you think of every cell as being a mini factory, doing whatever that cell does, the liver cells doing its liver cell job and the lung cells do its lung cell job. And there's a foreman that goes and says, okay, guys, here's how much fuel we need. And this is the job, how much work we're going to do today. That's your thyroid hormone. It goes to every cell and says, here's how much work you're going to do. And here's the fuel you need. If the instructions never come, cell's just going to sit there and not do its job. And that's what happens. When we don't have enough thyroid hormone, that cell is just not operating to its full capacity. And that is why anything can be off in your body, any function whatsoever, because it's just not getting the instructions to do its work to the degree it's supposed to.
0: So what are some of the symptoms that, now we know there's 103 symptoms uh, according to our research at Morpheus And for those of you who have not signed, who've not filled out our surveys, please do. I'm gonna, we're gonna put a link below. We are trying to get now to 5,000 responses. We're over 3,700 or 3,800 right now, which is amazing. Well, you'll get there. You'll get
1: there. This work is so important. Yeah. Thank
0: you. So one of the, we know that there are so many symptoms. What are the symptoms of having a low thyroid? And we're also going to talk about having a hyperthyroid, so we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So what is the, what are the symptoms of having a hypothyroid? Because that's more common.
1: Right. Um, well, like I said, really, so what we say in my functional medicine program is sluggish thyroid, sluggish anything. Again, because every single cell needs that thyroid hormone, but there are some that are more typical because they're kind of the first symptoms that show up. So I've done research as well, um, and insp- Andrea is inspiring me to make it more of a formal survey, but- I would say the top, the most common symptoms, the ones that most people report in both my research and elsewhere, fatigue, not just, oh, I'm sleepy, I need to take a nap, although many people have thyroid issues, find that an afternoon nap is a lifesaver, but that bone tired, like your entire body is moving through mud. Um, Fatigue, you know, sleepy fatigue, but also like, uh, I just can't, you know, get my body off the couch kind of thing um, go to the gym and then collapse that kind of, you know, my body, I'm coming down with the flu fatigue, brain fog. Um, just, I I literally had a client who, um, in her forties was terrified to go talk to her doctor because she thought she was getting early onset dementia. That's how bad the brain fog and forgetfulness and just all like literally difficulty thinking. So there's brain fog, memory issues, um, confusion, forgetting words, things like that, that can, because the brain needs thyroid hormone in order both to use energy as well as make ne- critical neurotransmitters. Weight gain. It comes out of nowhere and goes nowhere. Like again, I had a client who gained 100 pounds in six months. Her thyroid was barely producing any hormone. Um, that is obviously an extreme, but 10, 15, 20, 50 pounds fifty pounds—that people don't change their diet. And all of a sudden it comes out of nowhere and then nothing they do that they've done Dang. the past will work. Exactly. So I'd say those are the three biggest are the fatigue, the brain fog and the um, and weight gain. But some of the other, there's a whole bunch of other really common ones, muscle and joint aches. Um, and that we've talked about something you and I have talked about called thyroid arms where people in particular like feel like they can't, like, like washing your hair feels oh. like a chore because your arms are tired, like specifically your upper body. Um, moon face, like swelling, water retention in the face, cold hands and feet. That's a really big one also, cold hands and feet because your thyroid's responsible for thermogenesis, literally making heat in your body. Thyroid hormone is needed for that. Heart palpitations. I describe it, it's not, it's like this weird, like I felt like there was like a bird trapped in my chest, just kind of out of nowhere, I get this like, and it's really scary and uncomfortable because it's like this pressure on your lungs and your chest, um, high cholesterol. There's one that, that a lot of people don't realize and it drives me crazy. Women hit their forties and fifties, right? And when they hit perimenopause and all of a sudden their LDL, the bad cholesterol starts going up. Nothing else has changed. Doctors like, here's a statin. I'm like, can you please just check their thyroid first? Because the liver needs thyroid hormone in order to reabsorb LDL from the bloodstream. Um, what are some other common ones? Oh, this is a really common one. Brittle nails. I know when my thyroid is off, when my nails start to all of a sudden crack and peel really easily, um, thinning hair and, and like thinning, um, some women will get it all over. Some will get patches and also losing the eyebrows and eyelashes, especially that outer third, Third, but it could be anywhere hair. I've had, um, people like when they are hypothyroid, they're like, Oh, you mean not everybody shaves their legs once every two weeks, but hair just doesn't grow. Um, So thinning hair, dry, cracked skin, but other things, digestive issues, constipation, diarrhea, having all kinds of motility, meaning that like the food just won't move. You feel bloated and full. Uh, You need adequate thyroid hormone to get that signal to just contract the muscles to move food through your guts. Uh, And what are some, I mean, they're like low libido, as you said, Um, we're not producing enough sex hormones and, and so libido dead, I'm sorry.
0: Horseness, voice,
1: Horse, right. Horseness in the throat. Now for me, I've had this throat, this voice my entire life. Um, But yes. And pressure people feeling this pressure in their throat. So a lot of these and irregular periods. Oh, and here's a really big one. Obviously it's not going to affect us in perimenopause and menopause. Hypothyroidism probably the number one cause of infertility and miscarriages. Uh, yeah. I had three miscarriages before we realized it was my thyroid. And, um, and at first I had infertility. Very, very, very common. Because again, if you don't have adequate thyroid hormone, that complicated dance of sex hormones isn't going to happen. And the progesterone, estrogen, luteinizing hormone, all of that dance that needs to happen in order to get pregnant and sustain a pregnancy isn't going to happen. So these are all very, very common. And there's, again, I mean, probably about 50 um, common ones and then potentially hundreds more because the thyroid is involved, thyroid hormones involved in every function in the body.
0: I'm actually going to just say two things. So another one is also sleep issues, which you and I are going to talk about
1: Big yep, one. Thank you. You
0: have thyroid issues. And um, the fertility thing actually can affect us in peri because it, it affected me because mm-hmm. when I was in perimenopause, I now know I actually started at 36 with phantom smells. Mm-hmm. And many of us want to get pregnant, even when we're in perimenopause. And that was me. So I got pregnant in perimenopause. I didn't know I was in perimenopause. Now looking back at all the things that are happening Mm -hmm. now, I know, and I ended up losing um, a baby and then I ended up having my third. So, you Mm -hmm. know, that, you know, very interesting regarding the infertility, because for those of you who are in menopause, you're still in peri, maybe you don't know you're in peri because, you know, we're now our goal, my gosh, my goal is literally for women to understand after the age of 35, that it is possible to start perimenopause, that it is possible. So what does perimenopause look like, right? Those years leading up to menopause. So I, I'm happy that you mentioned that actually, because yeah. um, it's, it's a huge one. And those are all, like, if you think about it, I mean, you were saying that T, you know, our thyroid, there's thyroid hormone in every part of our body, every cell of our body, it's going to make sense that there's going to be so many symptoms. And right. if you think of those, you, all those symptoms, every single one you mentioned, by the way, is on the list, right? Of right. all the things. So it just... That's why I, I always say, and especially fatigue, we know fatigue is the number one, according to our research, number one, most common symptom with over 70% of women experiencing it. Please go to your doctor, go ask for the blood, for a blood test, go get your thyroid, get your vitamin D. That's another one that can really be attributed to fatigue, B12, ferritin. Like those are, I'm always like, start there, go ask your doctor, a healthcare right. pro, uh, provider. Okay,
1: and so. just to follow on that, um... People often say, "Is it my thyroid or is it perimenopause?" And the answer is yes. You're again all those we like divide like these are the sex hormones and these are the thyroid hormones. That's not how it works in your body. It could be perimenopause is itself the shifts in estrogen and progesterone are sending signals to your body and that's making your thyroid hormones shift. Or or maybe the thyroid is what started it and then um and then the sex hormones. And I believe I don't. I can't um, tell you the reference right now, but I believe I read that women with hypothyroidism are more likely to go into peripubals earlier, because their bodies who are getting certain signals from their thyroid again to start shifting all those hormones. So we make the distinction between like thyroid, sex hormones, your body's like soup of hormones that all need to mix together.
0: All interconnected. (laughs) Yeah. I like how you answered that. You're like, yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Is it this or this? Yes. 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 (laughs) That's exactly another thing um, I wanted to say when you are talking about vitamin D and so on, when we have low thyroid hormone, it is extremely, we have difficulty absorbing nutrients and maintaining adequate nutrient levels. So that's this kind of like, Um, you know, catch 22 kind of that can become this loop, why it's so important to look at all the different pieces of it is that we have a harder time maintaining adequate levels of vitamin D when we have hypothyroidism and we need adequate levels of vitamin D in order to make um, thyroid hormone. So we really do need to look at all pieces of that puzzle. Exactly.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. (laughs) And we're going to talk about supplements because Danielle created an entire thyroid bundle. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's talk testing. Yes, you know, I love
1: talking tests.
0: (laughs) I know you love it. So we don't feel good. We have all these symptoms, you know, first line of defense, go ask your doctor to get your thyroid tested. What are they asking to get tested?
1: Right. So don't just say, I want my thyroid tested because the doctor will most likely do one test and say, you're fine. (laughs) And then it must be something else. No, no. We need a comprehensive look at your thyroid. So the test that most doctors will order is TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. And you can guess from the name, it's not made by your thyroid if it's stimulating your thyroid from somewhere else. If you want to test your liver function, you're going to test liver enzymes. If you want to test your thyroid function, you should test what the thyroid actually makes. So TSH is a place to start. It's a pituitary hormone that tells your thyroid to make more hormone. But now we want to hear, see if your thyroid is listening. So next we want to test free T4. Remember, T4 is the hormone that's actually made by your thyroid. It's called T4 because it has four iodines attached to it. We want to test free because all hormones travel in your bloodstream accompanied by a little escort proteins. Um, And you can have, you can make adequate T4, but if for some reason it's remaining bound to its um, carrier proteins, it's not free to use. And we can talk about situations, different kinds of um, health issues where that binding is too tight in a sense and you don't have enough free hormone. So free T4, then we're gonna test free T3. If you can guess from the name, now it has three iodines. We need to chop off the proper iodine to get from T4 to usable T3. So we're also gonna check free T3. There are circumstances when you're under a lot of stress and so on that you will make something called reverse T3. That is when we chop off a different iodine. That is not a useful form of the hormone. It's how your body recycles iodine. And so um, we want to test how much of that reverse T3 you have, because sometimes people make perfectly good amounts of T4, but for some reason, the body's shunting it down this um, useless path and they still feel terrible. So, so far we have TSH, free T4, free T3, reverse T3. And then you also, especially if you're having hypo symptoms, fatigue and all those symptoms we mentioned, you want to test your thyroid antibodies because- Um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis is the most common autoimmune disease by far, and in the United States alone, um, affects, I think there's something like 14% of people, uh, of women in particular. It's particularly important for women to check if they have this autoimmune condition. Um, So you test two antibodies. One is called TPO, which is uh, thyroid peroxidase, and the other is TG, thyroglobulin. I recommend people test for both to see if they have antibodies against those. So that's six tests, TSH, free T4, free T3, reverse T3, thyroglobulin antibodies, and thyroid peroxidase antibodies. So that's now, six.
0: <laughs> there's six. And we're going <laughs> to, we'll we'll mention them below. Um. So so here's my thing. But then, you know, you're, you're telling me we need six tests. And then most doctors will say, nope, I'm going to give you one, possibly three.
1: Maybe two, if you're lucky.
0: So- what 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 does everyone listening do?
1: So there's two things. Um, I would say one is as we're women um, entering perimenopause, we have to learn to um, advocate for ourselves more aggressively. It is a very uncomfortable thing to do, especially in our medical system where um, women are gaslit all the time. It's a very patriot, patronizing patriarchal system. Um, but so so just a heads up. This may be it's, It may be uncomfortable, but we have to do this for our own health. So I often say to people say to ask your doctor, I just want more information. Can we get more information? Right. Because like, who doesn't want more data? Usually the doctors, but we want more data. Um, and then honestly, if they say, I'm not going to do that test, say, can you please put in my chart that I asked for it and you refused? And that may be playing hardball, but it's your life and your health.
0: No, you have um, to do, you I have did an to. interview with Stephanie Shaw, who you met at uh, our live yep. summit yep. and the whole thing, and we'll, we'll put a link to it below. And she was, she, she gave that advice. She's like, yeah. you ask for a test. If your doctor says no, you tell them to record it in the, in the actual. Yeah, trial,
1: yeah exactly. Sure. Um, because they, and, and if and even your doctor won't do it, I mean, I look for a different doctor, but there are also, you can order these tests um yourself. So you can also get at home tests, finger prick tests and so on, where you can, um order them yourself and i honestly recommend doing that i have had so many people whose doctors have refused the test to give them the test they do it themselves then they bring the results to the doctor and the doctors like oh there is a problem yeah how about that doc <laughs> so or you find it out how can they
0: how could women get this test for themselves
1: yes yeah, so there's a number of companies um there's one i can li- give a link below that um that you can go through you can get a, a i have a discount code for your listeners and viewers Um, but there's a number of places you can do it yourself or what you can do. And we've talked about sometimes your doctor will order all of them, but they won't do reverse T3 or they won't do the thyroid. So you can do these through your doctor and then order the one or two that you need to do yourself. Reverse T3, I find it to be valuable. That's the one where sometimes I say, if your doctor refuses that one, get the others. And then if you need to dig a little deeper, push the reverse T3 or um, buy get it yourself, because that's when a lot of doctors just, they do not have any clue of how to interpret that one. So I'm always like, okay, that battle may be saved for another day, but the other five tests, I say, you know, push for those because there's really no reason why your doctor wouldn't do that.
0: I was talking to um, Bryce while we have um, an interview coming up and he was saying that a lot of the times healthcare providers won't order these tests because they don't know how to interpret them. So... When it comes to interpretation, I know that's something that you can help people with.
1: (laughs) As you know, I'm incredibly passionate. I am such a lab, like a lab work nerd. I love this stuff.
0: I love it. and I I know
1: (laughs) you and I talk about it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, and also, so we talk about these thyroid tests and we talk, there's a number of specialized tests I would recommend, but there's actually so much informational gold in your annual tests, as you and I have talked about, just those like blood, standard blood markers the doctor does, your lipid profiles, cholesterol, your, you know, the iron and, you know, hemoglobin and all that, like there's actually a lot we can get out of that that can give you an idea. The doctor's like, oh, you're fine. We're going to get into um, optimal versus standard in a moment. But um, but in fact, so the thing we have to understand about Western medicine, and I'm, I'm a scientist, I, you know, I have my own prescriptions i'm not anti medicine at all um some of my best friends are doctors <laughs> i've like you know a dozen doctors in my family, your
0: family. is, it, is it your- i have
1: so many people in my family who are doctors i have an endocrinologist actually in my family you know we don't talk that right <laughs> i disagree with him on everything he's actually mainly a surgeon he's a top endocrine surgeon in manhattan but um but So I'm definitely not anti-medicine by any. In fact, my passion has always been bridging science and like people's lives um, and helping them understand, you know, the medical science and so on. That said, we have to understand the limitations and the origins of Western medicine. Western medicine is about crisis intervention. It's about acute um, traumas. And that is brilliant, brilliant. If you have a massive infection, please do not take, and I mean like sepsis, you're going to need a massive dose of antibiotics and it will save your life. Um, If if you're having a heart attack, if you have a broken limb, you know, lifestyle, it's a little late for that. We need to deal with the heart attack and then talk about lifestyle so that you don't have that situation anymore. Um, So an acute emergency, go to the ER. Um, That said, because of that, Western medicine has no way to deal with you until you're in an acute emergency, right? Like until we have these thresholds This line is diabetes. If you're on this side, you're not my problem. And if you're on this side, now we can talk. Like, if you can walk out of my office and not drop dead, you're fine. My definition of health and well being is slightly different from that. So I think of it like this if this is the line of like crisis, this is West, you know, here, this is like illness, right? We have to remember Western medicine isn't about wellness, it's about preventing illness. And if wellness is over here, Right. This is the happy, healthy. There's a lot of territory in here and Western medicine doesn't really give us much information because it's not designed to. This isn't like a dig at doctors. It's just not designed to. It's designed to save your life on this end. This, this is where functional medicine comes in. This is my passion because the fact is you rarely get to cross this line, whether it's a heart attack or diabetes or a stroke or whatever, without a lot going on in here. By the time you're diagnosed with diabetes, for example, there's been 10 or 15 years of this moving, the arrow moving in this direction, and the doctor never said it. And that's why I love those annual labs. Because I can go, hmm, the HBA1C was here and then it was here and then it was here. I don't want you to get to this line. Right. We want to go, you're going in this direction, let's go back in that direction. And so this is where functional medicine happens. You know, I've, this I've interviewed- is my passion.
0: I've interviewed so many doctors who said they don't learn about nutrition in, in medical school, right? And
1: it's you lifestyle, know, nutrition, none of that. They don't, they don't learn it.
0: about it. And they don't learn about menopause. So, and things are changing, hopefully, and it'll go in that direction where, mm-hmm. you know, functional medicine has its place and conventional medicine has its place. And having a team of both that can help you is fabulous if you're able to. Right. Well, it's know? not
1: either or. I mean, I've had doctors, Should I mean, I, I'm in a functional medicine program and there are doctors in it who are like, I've never learned, like I learned how to take care of people in crisis. I've never learned how to prevent a crisis. And so they want to learn how to actually help people be well, not how to be not sick. Um, And so it's just, it's a different, it's a different approach. And so I've had people come to me after they have a diagnosis, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, insulin resistance, diabetes, you know, Hashimoto's, any of these things, fibromyalgia, chronic. And we go, okay, like that, by all means, here's the medication and here's the whatever. Now, how do we move you in the opposite direction so that you are now well? So, And so let's talk about um, those back to the labs. We talked about the standard versus optimal, because again, I don't want you to just be not sick. I want people to be well. An optimal range of these lab markers means you are well. Your body is functioning the way it's supposed to. And that's what we call functional medicine. It's not like some woo-woo thing. It literally means, and this is a very sort of Eastern idea as well, we want your body to be functioning the way it's supposed to be. Just not, not, just not broken, but actually moving well, right. And working well. So when you look at a lab report, it will show you a standard reference range. Now that is literally in statistics, that little bell curve. Most people lie within that. Two things. One, we need to remember most people are not well in our society. Most people are sick. Literally we're on that. Remember I took that arrow they're moving towards not wellness, right? They're actually moving towards illness.
0: I mean, like 88% of Americans have insulin resistance. Insulin yes. resistance. Yes. And
1: that's a unbelievable. Huge
0: number. And then it's we're so insane. more prone to it as we get into perimenopause and menopause. So that's
1: exactly like, it's that's insane. And that and insulin resistance and, and blood sugar dysregulation is the absolute um is the foundational cause of premature most premature deaths. Period. It just is blood sugar dysregulation, diabetes, cancer, heart disease, neurological diseases, all of them, blood sugar. This way, I mean, we're talking so insulin resistance then becomes prediabetes, then becomes diabetes. And we in the United States, we act like diabetes is inevitable. It, it's complete. Type 2 diabetes is reversible, it is completely reversible. And 68% of people who have diabetes will go on to have a stroke. So, we're not, we need to get away from that line, you know, away from needing insulin, away from insulin resistance. So again, so like, so back to what we're saying about most people in that bell curve are not well. So we don't want to be measured against people who are already not well, but also the analogy I use is that bell curve, that, that range is huge. And I'll just use the example of TSH. So with TSH, depending on which doctor you go to and which lab and so on, um, you will get, um, for example, I'll use a range. So my lab uses, I believe the range is 0.5 to 4.5. I'm not going to do the, um, don't worry about the units for now, but about 0.5 to 4.5 is a, is the standard range. And if, as long as you're within that, as long as you're like 4.4, you're like fine. But that's that literally that's an entire range. And most people are not going to be healthy at 4.4. And the analogy I always use is in my family, the heights of people go from Four, five point five to foot two to like six foot, and that's like saying, well, as long as I buy clothing for somebody who's six, who's five eleven, we're fine. Well, I'm five three. <laughs> like that's the range of the family. I actually need to find the number that fits me, and so most people, first of all, are not you know their their numbers somewhere in that range. It's not right over the line, but also, so that's one thing. But also, that range needs to be a lot smaller. Um, Most people will be healthiest if their thyroid is like below two or even below 1.5. Your TSH. Sorry, sorry, the TSH, right. I've had hypothyroidism, I've had Hashimoto's for almost, for actually 30 years now. I'm healthiest when my is actually like 0.5 or even 0.4. So it really depends. And the most important thing is to go based on your symptoms. Labs are only one piece of the puzzle. I use labs to kind of point me in the right direction when I'm looking at someone. But if someone says, you know, if my TSH were 0.5 or 0.75, I would probably feel terrible. Oh. Right. Even though I'm still within that optimal range. So one, those ranges are usually too large and two, your symptoms are the most important marker, not just your blood work. Oh. And, and here's one of the reasons actually, especially when we're looking at thyroid hormones, thyroid hormone operates inside your cell. The thyroid, so there are some some hormones that just attach to the outside of the cell and that's how the cell gets the signal to do its job. Thyroid hormones need to get inside the cell and sometimes even inside the nucleus of the cell. So you can have all this wonderful thyroid hormone running around in your bloodstream and if it can't get into your cell and thyroid hormone resistance is a real thing, just like insulin resistance, then that doesn't, you're still gonna feel terrible. So your symptoms are the only indication we have of what's going on in that cell. We cannot measure thyroid hormone inside of a cell. So that's why lab tests are a place to start, but your symptoms are the most important thing. And if your doctor's not willing to look at you as the person and treat the person and the symptoms, not the test, you need a different doctor.
0: What so interesting? What you're saying about thyroid resistance. So what, like, how does that happen? What makes up thyroid? And I also don't want to forget to go over <laughs> the lab optimal results of free T3 and free T4 mm-hmm. and free T3. So well, and just- I can
1: give you yeah, we and we can talk about. general guidelines for those, um, excuse me, general guidelines for those, um, ranges for the other things as well.
0: So why don't we do that first? Yeah.
1: Let's talk about that. Okay. So
0: I'm curious about thyroid resistance.
1: Yeah. So, um, and this is something we're just starting to learn about now is this hormone thyroid hormone resistance. Okay. So, um, so the ranges, like I said, TSH usually want to be at bottom end of that range. So like and whatever it could be, your lab might be slightly different, but you really want to be towards like the bottom third of that range because TSH is your pituitary telling your thyroid to make more hormone. Right. When the when TSH is really high, it's your pituitary is shouting because for some reason the thyroid can't make hormone. It's like make more, make more. And something's happening here that the message, either the message isn't getting through, or there's some damage to the thyroid that it can't make hormone. Or okay. you're not getting enough nutrients, and we should talk about the nutrients that are essential to make thyroid hormone. Yeah,
0: I do want to as talk well.
1: About that. Yeah. Um. So the higher that number, the louder your pituitary is shouting. When someone's hyper, and we'll talk about that as well later, your pituitary is whispering just make a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. So we want to be towards the end of that range where your pituitary is just speaking in a normal voice, low TSH, low lower end of the range. Okay. For free T4 and free T3, T4 is a storage form of the hormone. It circulates in your body because thyroid hormone is so essential that your thyroid can't just make it on demand. It needs to be there to be ready to be used whenever it's needed. So there's a lot, there should be a lot in circulation. Whatever the reference range is for your lab, you want to be at the top half to third of that range. So that's why I don't, don't worry about the numbers because different labs, meaning like if your lab uses different units, I can't give you like the numbers. not four, right? But whatever that range is, divide it by three and then go, okay, this is the top third. And this is where I want to be. Sometimes I actually find, I feel best. Some people, depending on their genetics and ethnic background, it may be the top half. And that's okay. But again, go by your symptoms, but in general, top third to top half of that range for free T4 and the same thing for free T3. Okay. You want to be upper end of the range. Like some doctors, again, they'll be like, oh, as long as you're in the range. No, no, no. That means you barely, it's like having like enough food in your refrigerator for today but who knows what you're going to eat for breakfast tomorrow morning like no no you actually want some reserves so top third top top half of that range um reverse t3 is a little bit different with reverse t3 you want to be the bottom end of the range is fine but you don't want to be you want to be about like bottom two-thirds of the range so you don't want to be bumped right up against the top you want to be a little bit lower so the range for example in my lab is like from nine to 24, um, I want my clients to be below 18. And that tends to be the reverse T3 range. So I want them to be like more like the lower half of that. You don't want it to be below the range because that means that there's not. So reverse T3 is how your body recycles. Say there's a lot of T4 in circulation. You don't you don't need it all, all the time. Your body says, well, I want those iodines back. Those are juicy iodines I need to make more hormone. So we're gonna recycle it. If your reverse T3 is too low, it means your body's barely like has enough um it's barely making enough hormones. So you do want there to be some. So reverse oh T3, head. bottom half-ish. I
0: have a question just before you mm-hmm. go on to the antibodies. Yep. If your if your free T3 or free T4 is high, so it's above the range, what does that mean?
1: Good question. That is um most if I saw above the range especially if somebody had low tsh i would say that's hyperthyroidism um one that could be due to um an autoimmune illness called graves disease but it can also be over um, overmedication so if it's above the range that is often people on too much medication and they and that and it that's going to be a problem as well and we could talk about both what hyperthyroidism means as well as being over-medicated.
0: yeah okay perfect
1: and now perfect. with the antibodies um someone who has no autoimmune condition should not have thyroid antibodies. I mean, it may show up as like a two um, or something like that, just because the test itself, you know, there's an artifact or sometimes we all have some auto antibodies in our our body. The immune system, you know, makes some and the body clears it out. If that's not a problem. But once you start showing up with antibodies, like we shouldn't be really positive at all. Five, 10, 15, like they shouldn't be any. Um, They say um, often the range is 35 or higher or 24 or higher something like that. I've had clients who have antibodies as high as 3,500. My antibodies have probably gotten as high as 300. This is TPO, thyroid peroxidase is the more common antibody. And what that means is my immune system is actually attacking and trying to destroy a protein in my own thyroid. Now, doctors will say often somebody will go to them and they have symptoms because otherwise, why would they have asked for a test? And their TSH is fine. According to the doctor, their T4 and T3 is fine, but they have antibodies and those antibodies are going up and the doctor's like, oh, fine. Well, we're not going to do, we're going to wait and we're not going to do anything about it. What that translation is, your immune system is attacking a healthy organ in your body and literally doing damage and destroying tissue, but it hasn't done enough damage in order to fail. So I'm not going to do anything about it. But once your own immune system destroys this health, otherwise healthy organ, and now the organ fails, and you medication, now we can talk.
0: So crazy, like yeah, if you, yeah if it's Your analogies are amazing because it kind of it's <laughs> like, wait a minute, that makes it's no like, sense.
1: Right? It's like, well, if we gangrene and it's affecting three toes, but you can still walk. So until <laughs> you can't walk, we're not actually going to deal with the infection in your foot.
0: Like, makes zero sense, and and because there's such a resistance for doctor for putting, I don't know, I'm going to say women, you know, I'm sure I'm Overwhelming. To,
1: it's overwhelmingly women. Yeah, oh,
0: is it overwhelming? To put them on medication. And it's the one thing we need that medication and to it's And uh, it's
1: ironic because usually doctors are giving out medication like candy. Oh, here's a statin. Here's an antidepressant. Take so why, ozempic. Why here's metformin. Hormone? It's like dragons and gold. I don't know. They're like, you can't have thyroid hormone. <laughs> like you're willing to give them metformin, antidepressants, all these other things, which have unbelievable side effects, but thyroid hormone, which is just By the way, thyroid medication is just a synthetic form of the hormone. It is not a drug like Ozempic or, um, you know, statins, which are going to do something. It is just a biologically identical form of the hormone that your body's making. That's it. Now, people will react to different kinds of medication. We could talk about those options based on the fillers and the combinations and so on. But the actual hormone, like this is my prescription for liothyronine. It is the slyothyronine is the synthetic form of triiodothyronine, which is T3. That's three, it. That's, the that's all it its is T3. <laughs> I love that, that word, triiodothyronine, which wow. is just a way of saying a three iodine, iodine molecule. Yeah, it. <laughs> it sounds fancier that way. So, so, so yes. just to um, go back to what we're saying with the antibodies, I've had so many people come to me saying, I have the symptoms that my labs are normal, which means that the TSH or T4 are in the ranges that the doctors call normal. Yeah. Um, and my, I have high antibodies, but the doctors don't want to do anything. And I'm like, like I said, they're waiting for enough damage to be done that now it's worth their attention. In fact, now is the best time to act because you your thyroid is still functioning. It's, it's like functioning. still there and we just need to calm down the autoimmune attack so that it keeps functioning. I've had a sonogram, like I'm going to be on thyroid medication for the rest of my life. I've been on it since for 20 years. Um, It is absolutely possible. Even the endocrine society, the American thyroid association acknowledge that it is possible for people to be de-prescribed. Meaning if we catch it early enough, they don't say it like this, but if we catch it early enough and calm down the autoimmune attack or whatever is causing this, you might, you could put your autoimmune condition into remission and not need medication. Now, that's not the case for me. My poor thyroid looks like somebody shot it with buck shots. Got lots of little holes in it. at This point because of runaway inflammation and damage I didn't know about for decades. Um, but it is possible that some people won't need medication.
0: So what? So if somebody's in that position and their antibodies are high, their th- their labs are normal, what do they do? Is it going on medication? Like what so, do they do?
1: So for some people, um, medication may be an excellent short term solution. Right? Like, I mean, and and I I always recommend if somebody's exhausted, like if somebody doesn't want medication, your body, your choice, all that. um, Often it's good in the short term, like just to give you some energy, your body's not making an essential hormone. So let's give, it's a supplement. And then what we do is um, we, because also sometimes in a sense need to prime the system, like you need that energy to, in order to heal. But the long-term overwhelmingly, Medication is just never going to be enough because in fact, it's our lifestyle that brought us to this place, whatever stresses we're under that brought us to this place. And so we need to change them chronic so, illness is caused by stress, whether it's diet, lifestyle, psychological stress, trauma, whatever. And so infections. And so we need to figure out what brought you to this place so we can get you out of it. Um, the only thing that's really going to work are lifestyle interventions. to huh. so really so help reverses. Supplements.
0: Managing stress, everything that you just All mentioned. All of those, exactly. Interesting. And that will help to calm the inflammation. Mm-hmm. So let's talk the about- The only hy- thing that will
1: calm the inflammation.
0: The only thing. Let's talk about hypo versus hyper.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, it? so um, hyper. So hypothyroidism can have many different causes. It can both be a cause and a symptom of something. So for example, um, I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, as you do, which is an autoimmune condition where the immune system was attacking. The proteins in the thyroid, either thyroglobulin often and thyroproxidase um, are usually the two, although it's possible to have Hashimoto's without those showing up in the bloodstream. Um, And so we want to reverse the autoimmune condition so the thyroid's no longer getting damaged. I wanna be very clear, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, contrary to the name, is not a thyroid illness. It is an autoimmune illness. Multiple sclerosis is not a brain illness. It's an autoimmune illness that targets the brain. Rupert arthritis is an autoimmune illness that targets the joints, right? So that's why your endocrinologist is practically useless when it comes to Hashimoto's, because if you have something that needs to be cut out, surgery, that's who you go to. But this is an immune system issue, not a thyroid issue. Um, thyroid would be perfectly fine if it wasn't being beaten up by your immune system. And then the next thing is when you have an autoimmune condition, it's a bit of a tangent, but your body is not broken. Chronic illness is not an indication that your body is broken. Chronic illness is an indication your body is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing given the conditions it's under, given the signals it's being sent. Your body is in survival mode and running that survival, um, you know, those survival strategies. What we need to do has changed the conditions we're under so the body can be in thriving mode and not surviving mode. So just that's my little soapbox there. And that's why it's not that lifestyle is going to cure us. It's that lifestyle is what made us sick. So we need to find a healthy lifestyle to be well. Can you help women?
0: Sorry, before we go on, can you help women who have autoimmune? Like, is that something you in particular help women?
1: That, as you know, is my absolute passion um, because it is, I mean, nothing excites me more than- Um, helping someone see that just the simple things in their own life, the power they have. And as you know, you just sent me one of my most uh, recent clients who's just, I mean, delighted and such a fantastic success story um, and just through simple lifestyle changes. Now, I'm not saying they're easy. I mean, some of them are going to be challenging, but simple in that change how we're changing how we're eating. We're focusing more on sleep. Here's a few supplements. How are we going to manage stress? Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, here's all this energy. Here's all I mean, she, as you know, she's going to these conferences and people are like, You look like a different person. Like, no, it's not just the weight loss. It's her face. She's glowing and her face is no longer swollen and her hair looks great. Right. Just just because of diet and lifestyle interventions. And this is absolutely my passion. All kinds. I mean, I I the thyroid is often the way in. Like how I um how people come to me. But, oh, so what I was saying earlier is that something can be like the thyroid itself is not functioning. That's what we call primary hypothyroidism. That could be because of Hashimoto's, because of nodules in the thyroid, because of goiter, which is a swelling in the thyroid. But the hypothyroidism can also be a symptom because remember the thyroid hormone is how the body controls the function of every single cell of the body. So, if there, for example, if somebody has a um, the flu, if you check their thyroid hormones, it'd probably be pretty low because the body's like, whoa, 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 slow everything else down. Slow down the whole metabolism, slow down the whole show. We need to focus on this. So your body can tweak like lower thyroid hormone in this part of the body, raise it in this part. To you know, okay, the heart thyroid hormone needs to be up in the heart, down in the muscles. So hypothyroidism can show up as a downstream effect of so many other things because the body is always controlling different things. So long-term infection can cause hypothyroidism and injury, mold toxicity, heavy metal toxicity, dysbiosis in your gut. All these things can then show up as a thyroid issue because your body is dealing with this crisis. And then the low thyroid can exacerbate the other issue. So people come to me with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, uh, uh, fibromyalgia, um, gut dysbiosis, uh, you know, uh, insulin resistance, prediabetes, all these things, but they came to me because their thyroid hormone was off. And then we discovered it actually came from somewhere else. So it could be a downstream effect of other things. That's why I find thyroid, it's insanely complicated and so fascinating to me. So that is hypo. The good news about hyper, much simpler, (laughs) much simpler. There are basically two causes of hyperthyroidism. If somebody has an illness of hyperthyroidism, that's Graves' disease, overwhelmingly. And that is an autoimmune condition where the immune system is attacking the TSH receptor. So basically, remember we talked about the gas pedal, <clears throat> the immune system is attacking that. And so it's like, you just put a brick on the gas and it's just, it is just revving, over-revving, over-revving, sweating, anxiety, can't sleep, heart palpitations. Just imagine you just got pumped up with adrenaline all the time. Um, it also be, It also can raise your blood pressure and the thing that is very typical of hypothyroidism is you will see that like I mean, run hyper sorry hyper runaway hyper bulging is, eyes bulging eyes exactly because it, that's one of the podcasts. reasons why it's a very sorry podcast right bulging eyes mm-hmm. and that's why i mean it's um because it puts pressure on the back of the optic nerve and can actually lead to thyroid eye disease and blindness like extreme cases so um and I just want to really dive for a second into hyperthyroidism because it's a, a very, it's a short topic, but really also really critical. So with hyperthyroidism, your doctors will tend to freak out because when the heart starts to race and things like that, you're like, whoa, this is scary. And it and it feels scary. Literally, it makes you anxious. But so, so important not to panic. Now, that doesn't mean you don't take it seriously. And a lot of doctors, especially in North America, will want to do something radical with it. Either surgery, remove the thyroid, cut out a piece of the thyroid. The worst option, which is radiation treatment, radioactive iodine. Um, So they'll want to do something physically. They are taking a chunk of your thyroid out. Radioactive iodine is a terrible idea because you are literally ingesting something that is carcinogenic. My mom had radioactive iodine. We were not allowed to hug her for three days. They were so worried about the people around her being exposed to radiation just from hugging her. Imagine what that radiation was doing to her own body. By the way, the two—the reason why they give you iodine is iodine collects in the thyroid. Remember all that thyroid hormone. It also collects in the bladder because that's how you get rid of it. My mom died of bladder cancer at 64. So I just want to, now she also had smoke, but I just want to point out, I do not doubt that that radiation treatment probably made her more susceptible. And when I was at the American Thyroid Association meeting and the Endocrine Society there were all these researchers saying, we have to stop giving people radiation. We cannot have them ingest a freaking carcinogen. So that's one. Two, once you cut out, radiate anything a thyroid, you are now going to be hypothyroid for the rest of your life. So they've literally replaced one problem with another and you're going to have to be on medication the rest of your life. So what's the solution? Two large studies done in Europe looking at 20-year databases found that the best option for Graves' disease is On is long-term suppressive medications. Uh, Methamazole is one of them. And I I can't remember the name of the other one. I don't want to butcher it. What those do is they suppress thyroid function. Now, um, this huge Danish study found that over 20 years, um, more almost half the people had spontaneous remission of Graves' disease. So they didn't need the medication after just five years. my guess is those people probably change their lifestyle. So the autoimmune or the stressors and so on, it's an autoimmune attack. We need to lower the inflammation, lower the stress. Now, they a certain number got a secondary autoimmune condition if they didn't actually deal with the underlying autoimmunity. But the thing is, when you're on suppressing medication, there's a chance of solving the problem without destroying the organ. And in Europe, they are moving much more towards that, not doing surgery, not doing the longer-term medication, in the United States and Canada, they're slowly moving away from that. But if you have hyperthyroidism, the doctor's like, gotta do surgery, find more doctors because at least try the suppressing medication. And some people will be on it for years, Um, but it's still better than removing what could otherwise be a healthy organ. Now, the longer term strategy, and I've worked with people of hyperthyroidism is the same thing as with with Hashimoto's. And that is we deal with the autoimmune condition because remember, it's not a thyroid problem. It's your immune system sees a threat, so we need to calm down the immune system so that it's no longer feeling this threat. There are also a number of supplements that have been found to be good for hyperthyroidism. And I'll just mention them now. Um, Lemon balm, the herb lemon balm, which is why I tell people with hypo, don't drink lemon balm tea, Um, which is a shame because I have a ridiculous amount of lemon balm growing in my garden. And, um, And something called bugleweed both of them are known to actually suppress the thyroid function. So it can be a complement to other medications.
0: You know, what's interesting actually you're mentioning lemon balm is that lemon balm is, is in a lot of sleep aid products, natural yep. supplements. So ladies, mm-hmm. if you have a thyroid issue, which many of us do, please do not buy sleep products, sleep supplements that have Bye. lemon balm in it because it can- yeah, And them. I recommend that
1: actually women in um, menopause don't rely a lot on lemon balm period because we're susceptible to these thyroid issues. So, I mean, if you have a, like occasionally a cup of tea, you know, it has like, that's fine. But I mean, I planted in my garden thinking, oh, I'm going to drink lemon balm. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not drinking lemon balm tea.
0: Yeah. So that's a very good point. Thank you. Um uh, all right. So let's talk about a couple more things. I mean, I literally, this interview can be for, <laughs> it can be so long though. Like it's cause it's so interesting. And first of all, I, I mean, I have Hashimoto's Hashimoto's. I mean, I landed on my butt two years ago in bed, two months, crazy anxiety, which is one, another one of the symptoms. Yep. And I couldn't get out of bed for two months and I lost a severe amount of weight and it was, it was bad. Like depression,
1: Depression you know, like, is also another major symptom. Absolutely. A lot of women will go to their doctors suddenly feeling depressed, anxious, and they'll put them on antidepressants. And what they actually need is thyroid hormone.
0: Yeah, no, I was depressed. I mean, I yeah. couldn't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I like I did. And it's not- a
1: biochemical imbalance. It is. It's it's often. Yeah. And and actually, I was reading a book um, about this. A woman who was hospitalized for psychosis. And she was just severely hypothyroid, severely hypothyroid. hypothyroid. Her brain's literally not functioning.
0: Yeah, and I just can't stress it enough because I mean, I just like, like I said, I recently went through it and now I'm dealing with the aftermath of having to rebalance my thyroid, which you're helping me do. So it's just, um, it's such an important thing to get tested. And I just, I, we can't stress enough, which is why yeah. I was so happy that we're doing this because yeah. we do not, you know, we, we cannot take it lightly with any, yeah. you know, hypo, hyper, any of the thyroid issues. So, okay, so let's talk about two more things before we end the interview. Well, actually, three. I want to talk about nutrition. I want to talk about supplements and I want to talk about medication. So let's start out with medication first. Mm -hmm. Now I know, and and, you know, and again, of course, if you want to work with Danielle, you can reach out to her. We'll put all her information below. She's amazing. I mean, Mm -hmm. she knows her stuff. As you can see, you're a scientist. (laughs) Like literally you come from that scientific way of thinking and, um, you know, looking at the research you read, you read so much research that it's amazing.
1: (laughs) I've actually lost count, but the last time I looked on my iPad, there were six hundred um 600 reference reference papers on thyroid issues <laughs> i'm like i can't possibly read them all but i mean i do i read the abstracts and i get the data and so. but i was like okay this is ridiculous i, so. So I just why, keep well, collecting them
0: <laughs> well that's why like if you have a thyroid issue danielle is who you want to be speaking to so or even an autoimmune condition like you're just right. saying too so it doesn't have to only be thyroid it can be autoimmune. and i also
1: like i said i've started to work on other issues like diabetes yeah. and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and so yeah. on
0: so She's a good person as a resource. If you feel you need that added support, definitely reach out to her. So let's talk about medication because just really quickly, and then obviously move on to the other two. So and, and for those of you who are listening, you might have to listen to this in, uh you know, in, in several parts, <laughs> although it's going to be one details. long interview, but you may have to just come back to it. So, but I do think that there's so much to cover that I, I do want to cover this all in this, in this one mm-hmm. interview. So when it comes to medication, there's the T4 medication, there's T3 medication, there's desiccated or armor, there's different medications. How, you know, f- for women who are listening and they're like, okay, I want to go on medication. What should they be asking for something? Is this something yeah. they do? You know, with their doctor, how can they go about
1: it? So let's. Well, I'll go through the kinds of medication and then some of the options. So, first thing most people will get is something called levothyroxine, that is a synthetic form of T4, and um, and that's often sort of the first line. Overwhelmingly, that's not going to be sufficient. Um, most people will find that they also will need some T or many people, especially if they have Hashimoto's, will find that they need T3. Again, that's the synthetic form. So levothyroxine, synthetic T4, lyothyronine, synthetic T3. Um, it's usually a combination of both because many of us who have thyroid issues have trouble with that conversion from T4 to T3. So we could take T4 all day long and it's not going to be sufficient. That's been the case for me for 20 years. I've always taken both. There's a few different ways to get both. I take T4 and T3, two synthetic forms of it. For my T4, I take something called tyrosint, which is, um, has no fillers in it. It's not, I can't, I find I cannot take any of the pills. I can't take the brand name Synthroid. I can't take the generics. Tyrosin is a brand name, it comes in a liquid or in a capsule. Um, and then I find I can take the generic uh, lyothyronine or T3. So that's for me. And the reason why I needed them is there's two reasons. One, the I needed a certain ratio, like I need a certain amount of T4 and T3, and I need to be able to play with that ratio. You and I have talked about that for you as well. So um, I find that works the best for me. Many people, especially if they're early on, like I like I said, I've had this problem for 30 years um, and I didn't know it for the first, I didn't have any medication for the first 10. So um, there was already a lot of damage done. So I kind of need a very specific, um, you know, a very specific kind of medication combination. But a lot of people find they benefit from something called NDT natural desiccated thyroid, also known as thyroid extract. And it is exactly what it sounds like. Dried thyroid. It's made from a pig. And, um, and they'll find that it's the brand names are like armor, nature, throid. Um, there's a new one that just came out called uh, just space. Azurity. just came out. I mean, just came out in March or May just recently. Um, but, and it is And that, because it comes from a a pig, it has a certain fixed ratio. I think it's like six to one of T4 to T3. That amount, I found when I needed more T3, I got too much T4. When I got the right amount of T4, I had too little T3. So that's why that combination didn't work for me. But for many people it will, because they primarily get the T4, which is just enough T3 to help them. So like, I often say that's a good place to start is with natural desiccated. The other possibility is you can do natural desiccated thyroid and then add in a little bit of T3 to get that range, that ratio, right. For me, that just didn't work. It worked better to just do the two um, separately. So those are really the options. People can also do compounding. Um, You have to be very careful with like picking a good compounding pharmacy because the amounts of T, we're talking micrograms. Micrograms means that in this pill of my T3, this is five micrograms of T3. You see how big this pill is.
0: You can watch this on YouTube
1: by the the way. Right, you can watch it on YouTube. Okay, so I'm looking at this, I mean, this is a tiny, this is like the size of a baby aspirin to give you an idea. The amount of medication in that, the amount of actual medication would be smaller than a grain of sand. Like that's, so in other words, so really difficult to get the right amount. So that's why like some compounding pharmacies might not have the right equipment to do it. So make sure it's a compounding pharmacy There's a very good reputation. but overall, you can. So those are the options you can do: synthetic T4, synthetic T3, desiccated thyroid, desiccated thyroid plus uh, an addition of either T4 or T3. So those I are mean, usually the options.
0: Desiccated worked for me for a really long time, and now it's not working for me anymore. Yep. So.
1: And you and I were have talked about it. now. This is something that um, there's not a lot of research on it, but I'm just starting to sort of put the pieces together and kind of dig in is some people find that especially if you have Hashimoto's and especially if it's um, like you're still working on bringing it under control in terms of the antibodies, adding desiccated can actually be a problem because remember Hashimoto's is when your body's attacking thyroid hormone. uh, I mean, attacking your thyroid. So you can't make hormone. It's attacking either thyroid peroxidase or thyroglobulin, right? These two proteins. When you take desiccated thyroid, you're actually taking thyroid Ground-up okay. thyroid, which means you're adding more thyroid peroxidase and more thyroglobulin to your body. So that could potentially stimulate more of the immune attack. Now, we yeah. want to calm it down completely so that your body's not attacking it, but there's some you know, hint that it may be, in a sense, almost exacerbating the problem for so some people. So
0: in that people. case, should we be changing to the synthetic form? To so of- the synthetic. synthetic. And the
1: thing is, when people... Now, notice, if now note, if you're like, oh, I'm unsynthetic, I want to try desiccator, vice versa, there's a... Tr- 10 transition period and what they call titration you need to figure out what dose works because it's not a one-to-one your body will handle it differently and that transition can be difficult like when I shifted from one to the other for about six weeks I felt terrible and I thought oh my god this means that it's wrong no it wasn't wrong it just my body had to adjust and I had to find the right dose and then it ended up it was the right thing
0: I think it was like three nights of insane night sweats. Oh and yeah. My, when you switched I didn't, medication. I did it. It was my dog. I guess I had switched it right. Like just went from one to the other. Yeah. And, in, and this was like, before I was, you know, even in peri- uh, well, it might've been, I don't even remember now everything's such a blur, but yeah. I just remember I wasn't getting night sweats at that point. I literally right. had three nights of insane night sweats yeah. until my body was getting, got it's used just, to it. So
1: right. It gets used to it. Uh, it needs to, um, you know, flush out what it doesn't need. Now there's a couple of advantages, and this is something that I'm going to have to come back and talk to you about another time because I'm only starting to learn about it myself. Okay. One of the other advantages of desiccated thyroid is that it has other components and one is T2. And the research on T2 is just starting, but it's exactly what it sounds like. The body further breaks down into T2. We're finding that T2, it's not inert it's not inactive it actually may be extremely important in your metabolism especially in fat burning so it may be possible and i to get a i can give you a link a supplement of t2 um so like for example i'm going to start taking that myself i've just ordered it because i'm not taking desiccated hormone thyroid i'm taking the synthetics and i want to see if what that t2 does for me but i'm just starting to learn the research on that and i will come back and talk to you about it is there that a synthetic
0: time. so we know we have armor but is there a synthetic medication that has t4 t3 t2 like a kind of no
1: it's not yeah the only other way to get that is um is by taking thyroid hormones Three. a thyroid extract itself
0: wow okay Okay. So let's talk about nutrition. What are, we know that there are certain foods that are not great. So, you know, many people have heard, oh, don't eat too many cruciferous vegetables. Don't eat this. Don't <laughs> eat that. Like let, right. let's, let's debunk some myths. Okay, And then let's talk about foods that we want to avoid and then foods that are good for our thyroid. And then, right. the, yeah. And then we'll get into supplements. And I don't want to forget about thyroid resistance because I know right. I did. <laughs> well, let me
1: just, I'm actually going to, let me talk about that really quickly. Um, Mainly it's we could have things like damage to the thyroid. There could be, because of inflammation, the actual thyroid, the cell, your cells are not the cell membrane, is literally not transporting well. So you can actually have situations, especially when you have insulin resistance, especially when there's chronic inflammation from other re, um, other reasons, where your body's not transporting thyroid hormone into the cell well. So we call it resistance, but it really is more that the thyroid, the transportation itself is not... Um, is not happening or the, the signal to transport thyroid hormone across the membrane isn't happening. So while there may be, it's in the bloodstream, we're not seeing it in the cell or you're not getting it in the cell. So that's why it's so important to pay attention to your symptoms because, for example, we're finding that insulin resistance can, makes the pituitary less able to, to transport thyroid hormone, read how much hormone is in your bloodstream. So the whole feedback from bloodstream to pituitary to TSH is not happening well. And that's often happens because of insulin resistance. So insulin resistance in particular can make it harder for your body to, to take up thyroid hormone, which then exacerbates it because you have hypothyroidism. You're already more prone to insulin resistance because you need adequate thyroid hormone in order to manage blood sugar. So that's why we need to deal with it on a lifestyle level rather than like a pill for this, a pill for that, a pill for this.
0: Oh, I love berberine. It helps with.
1: Yeah. Amazing. And of course I take okay. berberine.
0: <laughs> I know I love berberine. Um, okay. So let's talk about nutrition.
1: Okay, so first um, let's dispel the cruciferous vegetable myth, which drives me bananas. Um, doctors will say, don't eat broccoli, but they don't say, don't eat soy. <laughs> okay, number one goitrogen, meaning it interferes with thyroid's ability to use iodine, is soy. Do not take soy. Don't, no soy milk, no soy protein, no soy isoflavones, no whatever. The one form of soy that might be okay if you can toler- tolerate soy at all is miso, be- traditionally fermented miso because it's fermented. Um, but otherwise, tofu, soy, no soy. Soy is terrible. Now, soy is in a lot of things. So, you know, a lot of processed foods have soy in them. So processed foods already aren't great for you. But yeah, no soy. soy lecithin and- that is the one thing that I that doesn't seem to be a problem. The soy lecithin is used as a binding agent or emulsifier. Okay. Some people may be sensitive, but I, for example, I'm actually allergic to soy, not just thyroid issues. And I know I have no problem with soy less than that. Okay. So that's the one thing that might like you've seen chocolate or something. That's usually fine. But other soy proteins, soy powders, soy, whatever.
0: What about soy sauce?
1: No soy sauce, no soybeans, no edamame, none of that. Okay. Um, so soy is a terrible glycogen Cruciferous vegetables, on the other hand, are fantastic for you. Um, sulfurophane is one of the um, compounds in broccoli. Not only is it great for you, period, and there's lots of research that found cruciferous vegetables can actually help lower antibodies, lower overall inflammation. But as we know, sulforaphane is fantastic for your liver and is critical in breaking down hormone metabolites, not only thyroid hormone, but especially our sex hormone metabolites. So we want our estrogens to break down to the healthy pathways and not the carcinogenic pathways. So cruciferous vegetables are wonderful for you. Um, Some people if you're still nervous about it, cook them. Don't eat kale salads. Don't eat tons of, like the only raw cruciferous vegetables I have are broccoli sprouts and arugula. You know, I mean, if there's a handful of raw kale in a salad, I don't worry, or like a handful in a smoothie. But if you cook um, broccoli, any of the, the compounds that people are worried about, you know, steam or broccoli, you know, they're all broken down. I Whereas heard the that soy, you, it doesn't break down if you cook it. The, the I heard that you
0: compounds. have to eat so many cruciferous vegetables for it, even to make a difference.
1: Yeah. You thought. mean to, to actually be a negative impact?
0: You yeah. have to be a negative. Yeah. Like if you
1: had a huge kale salad, raw kale salad every day, that might affect you. But, um, yeah. No, I eat cruciferous vegetables every day. I mean, they're so phenomenal for you. Broccoli, cauliflower, collard greens, arugula. I mean, I mean, they're just, I and mean, they're just so good in lowering inflammation. Yummy. Right. Brussels sprouts, <laughs> um, you know, turnips, radishes. You, I mean, and I love all the Asian cooking grains. I mean, pot tat tatsoi, pak choy, bok choy, um, napa cabbage, Guideline, you name it, they're all phenomenal for you on so many levels. And like I said, especially for women, because they also help our livers break down hormone metabolites. That's awesome. So cruciferous vegetables are great. Um, some of the other things we should avoid, the top three avoids, top three. If you have a thyroid issue, and especially anybody who has an autoimmune condition, I don't know whether it's psoriasis or multiple sclerosis or anything, gluten, 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 gluten. Not not reduce it, avoid it avoid it. Um, now I'm not saying everybody on the planet needs to avoid gluten, like, you know, but if you have a chronic illness, especially if you have any sort of gut issues, if you suffer from bloating, constipation, diarrhea, um, anything, gas, anything like that, gluten, is the first thing to go.
0: And the re- what and why? So the research shows that Okay, like, yes. The, so the here's the research. Because I mean, listen, I haven't eaten gluten or dairy for many, 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 many yeah. years. Yeah. And I just it I can't tolerate it. it just, yeah. just so, throws. Okay,
1: me. so gluten, the reason why. So this is very I literally just <laughs> we were taking a class on this and it, this was the webinar I watched yesterday. So there's two things that gluten does. One, there's something called molecular mimicry. Um, and this happens a lot with autoimmune conditions, where certain Compounds You do not have to have a gluten allergy and it might not show up on a food sensitivity test because what happens is in the presence of gluten, there's a mimicry where your immune system thinks that the gluten looks like something else. And Mm -hmm. so it activates the immune system and in the presence of gluten, your immune system starts to attack you more. So if you have gluten, you get more thyroid antibodies. Same thing with dairy. Dairy also parts of the casein and it's not lactose. So lactose free milk doesn't help. It is casein and whey, but particularly casein, which is one of the primary proteins in, in milk. Again, in the presence of casein, the body will um, confuses it, you know, mistakes it for something else. It might look like a viral particle. It might look like a bacterial particle. And so the immune system gets activated. And when the immune system gets activated, we call that inflammation, right? And you get these chronic inflammatory conditions. So that's one way that gluten and dairy need to be a reason why they need to be eliminated the other is both gluten and dairy have been shown to contribute to leaky gut in in what we call officially enhanced intestinal permeability meaning instead of the gut staying nice and tight so i think of this as like a castle, it's only one cell thick it's like a castle wall and if you think of like the little creases in your fingers as like what we call tight junctions those tight junctions should stay nice and tight yeah. and when you when you eat something and it's fully digested to its amino acids and nutrients and the small comp- components then there's a you know knock on the door the, the gate opens up a tiny bit a little a little door in the castle wall opens up and the amino acids whatever can go in and then it closes but in the presence of gluten and dairy rather than opening it we throw down the jawbridge, pull up the gate and anything that's here can get over here that means viral particles bacterial particles partially digested food particles And what's hanging out here right behind the wall of the castle? The whole damn army is waiting for an invasion. More than two thirds of the factors in your immune system are right here just waiting for something to cross that gut barrier because that's the most likely place, right? You bring things into your body. So all these things, these half-digested food particles get over here and the immune system flips the hell out. And so this is also why, friends, I always say when I work with people, Eliminate the gluten and dairy first for a number of months. We're not talking a couple of weeks. We're talking three months, six months. And then if you still have symptoms, then do a food sensitivity test. Because as long as this gate is open, anything on this side is going to go on this side and it's going to show up on your food sensitivity test. So for example, I did a test in September of 2019 and it ends up, I was sensitive, highly sensitive to figs. Why would I, I... why would it be figs of all things? I don't have a reaction. Well, why was it figs? Because I hadn't eliminated, sorry, this was in 2019. This was actually earlier. Um, I eliminated gluten dairy, but there were a few other things that I didn't, I hadn't eliminated that were still giving me leaky gut, I hadn't healed my gut entirely. Because I had ends up I had a mycotoxin issue. So why figs? Because right there along my driveway, I have three fig trees. And guess when they're ripe? In September. So because I hadn't healed the leaky gut, the food particles here ended up over here. My immune system's like, what the heck is this? This doesn't belong in the bloodstream. Well, guess what? Heal the leaky gut. Now I can eat figs happily. No sensitivity to figs. <laughs> oh, Be- so so heal the leaky gut first. Don't spend $4,000 on a uh, food sensitivity test until we close, right? Turn off the tab and then we can start worrying about emptying out the inflammation. And, and manage the- your stress because- Is exactly. all stress oh, leaky I- gut? Stress yeah, because we, we gut.
0: Cut foods into different shapes and forms, which we might think is more sensitive to, but we're not. Right. So, it's And like- we also need
1: to eliminate toxins and crap food from our diet, seed oils, processed foods because of those toxins, our body, our immune system yeah. mistakes also creates these sort of food um, hypersensitivities. Because if you're bringing toxins in, in your gut, if you're bringing all these things in your gut, your immune system is waiting. They're like, okay, well, that's where the enemy is. So it starts to attack and damage your gut. So um, gut health is insanely important when it comes to chronic illness, thyroid issues, autoimmunity, and so on. So our nutrition is insanely important. So that's why first things, gluten, dairy, and soy are the first three that have to go. Now, a lot of people find they're also sensitive to eggs, um, maybe about 50 to 75%. I mean, it depends. I can't do eggs. I can sometimes do if there's an egg in a baked good, but I can't like have an omelet. Um, which is a shame because I would eat them every day if I could.
0: I know, I can't and, either. And you know what? What's interesting eggs. about eggs is I was eating them a lot and now, like what now it started to tickle my throat. So every time I would have an egg, my throat would get tickled. Yep. And I also- And that's of course an
1: immune egg. system. Yep, yeah. exactly. I get, stomach, I, get I get hives. I get hives.
0: I get a stomachache. Egg. So I a, can- I, like, now I guess, I'll you know. it like once a week, cause I do love eggs. I love it for protein. And so I'll oh. I'll just make myself like an omelet once a week. And that seems to be okay.
1: And, that, and that's exactly bad. it. Sometimes I find eggs tend to be one of those things. If you have an allergy of an allergy, but yeah. it tends to be one of those things where it can be um, a little bit of a dose thing. Um, gluten and dairy, I find it's not. Yeah, the I, one exception with dairy is ghee. So some people can tolerate ghee, which is clarified butter, which is where I mean, and very clarified, like not just like sort of French clarified butter, ghee is an Indian clarified butter where they like, it's very common in Indian cooking. It's they delicious. will, um, yeah, and it's amazing for your gut. I mean, high yeah. short chain fatty acids, also fantastic for gut health, but yeah. it is very high and clarified, meaning all of the protein. So there's no casein in white. It is just the butter fat, just milk fat. And that itself can be actually yeah. healthy for your gut. Um, that's the one exception to dairy. Um, so another thing, now I've got, of course, the whole thing. Butter.
0: What about butter, grass and butter? Can some people same
1: thing. Water? Most people can't do butter because it still has protein in it. But ghee, again, clarified butter. Okay. Um, I can sometimes do butter in something. Again, if my daughter bakes a gluten-free something, if there's a little bit of butter, I'm okay. But I can't like slather it on something. I actually experimented with that last week, and I was like, mm, still can't do butter. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> but, um, but the, um, but again, I did clarified butter. But ghee, I'm okay with. And uh, some people find also nightshades, and that's because nightshades are extremely high in lectins, and lectins can be damaging and irritating to the gut. Um, I can do potatoes, for example, but I can't do eggplant. Um, ashwagandha, another thing to look at, friends. You're doing a supplement. Ashwagandha can be fantastic for you unless you have a nightshade sensitivity. So a lot of thyroid supplements um, have ashwagandha. Great for everybody, not me. Can't it's do I'm
0: going to tell you as an adaptogen, it's I, I like, I much prefer like a holy basil, like a telsa, oh, yeah, I'm not a huge, ad, not a uh, fan Ashgandha. Ashgandha.
1: no, not, no, this, some people love it. I find there's other adaptogens. Holy basil is my favorite. And of course, what are my favorite adaptogens? You know, medicinal I'm a, mushrooms.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> knows I'm like, I'm like mushrooms. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of ashwagandha, but um, yeah. but I do research on it. So again, listen yeah. to your bodies. And if it helps mm-hmm. you, great. But, um, but interesting regarding it's a nightshade. And, it's a nightshade.
1: You know what else is a nightshade? Goji berries. Mm. Related to tomatoes, potatoes, eggplant. So I can't do eggplant, hot pepper, bell pepper, tomatoes, ashwagandha, goji berries, potatoes. I mean, I don't need a ton of potatoes They're carbs, but the potatoes, I'm fine. Mm. Um, but, um, so those are the, we shouldn't eat things. So okay. I, the, now let's talk about, we should, because this is not, I mean, there's so many wonderful foods that are great for our health. Like I said, we already said cruciferous vegetables are great. Protein is really important. Protein is so important for women in menopause um, and uh, because that's how we're going to maintain our muscle mass is what we need for health, healing. Also, for women trying to lose weight, protein is incredibly satiating. High-protein diets, so incredibly good for us. Um, they make us feel fuller They you know and, and really do help with sugar and metabolism. We need our healthy fats. Healthy fats are things like avocado oil, olive oil, ghee, Um, You know, uh, also animal fats are, you know, fish oils and so on. We do not want, I know I'm preaching in the choir. seed oils, industrial seed oils. If these are oils that our ancestors could not have eaten, we should not be eating them. Sunflower, safflower, corn, cotton. Um, any of those can only Dr.
0: Kate's no. interview when she, Oh, gave- please. So I love
1: many, her stuff. So many
0: podcasts on seed oils. So wall. many. Below, so. And there's literally,
1: as we've talked about evidence that seed oils alone can lead to insulin resistance. Oh, and um, create
0: inflammation in the body. I mean, unbelievable. Just, yeah. Unbelievable. But, and we talk about that. I talk about that a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. We, you and I talk about it all the time. Yeah. So then, so good proteins, healthy proteins, healthy fats, and literally half of your plate at any meal should be vegetables, um, tons of vegetables, This time of year, at least for us, you know, it's getting colder. So I'm shifting more to steamed veggies and sauteed veggies and stir fries and and soups and so on. But veggies, and like I said, I have cruciferous vegetables every day. Um, And and also things like dandelion greens. I love, so dark leafy greens, fantastic for you. Um, But also your, you know, fruits, colorful berries. Berries are amazing for you. You want to put those nuts, um, you know, all kinds of nuts. I love uh, pistachios and almonds and walnuts and pecans and so on those are great for you um uh, herbs herbs like your herbs are amazing so many phytonutrients in them i grow now like when i'm making some, i'm like i have rosemary tarragon or uh, oregano thyme basil just you know herbs things like that fresh herbs are great you can grow them on your counter um yeah. so all these things are really you know fantastic i mean healthy for you things like, you know, coconut and chocolate. I mean, it doesn't, you're not like, it doesn't have to be, you know, complete self-denial and so on. But we need to really find super, like more healthy ways to um, to feed ourselves. And really the processed foods, the processed sugar, the refined flour, the refi- you know, the seed oils, fewer foods in a box and more in the produce and, and, and you know, meat aisles, frankly.
0: Huh. And then the last thing I want to talk about is supplements. And I know- What question I had? No. So you created our thyroid bundle, which is a part of our bundle, which I love. So this came from Danielle. Yes. Oh yeah. I I totally
1: reached out. I'm like, can you Randy make me my own little bundle?
0: (laughs) I love that. Um, And I want to go through each one, but can you safely take supplements if you're on medication? I mean, I I know the answer is yes, but can you take, supplements and medication do you want to do you want to start with supplements like how does it all kind of tie in i guess
1: yeah so first of all i'd say first let's talk about why supplements because people say well shouldn't we be able to get everything we need from a diet Mm -hmm. yes if we all still lived as hunter-gatherers in our ancestral lands um you know or like literally put the time and effort into food the way our ancestors did even you know a few hundred years ago right yeah, maybe, but um, we don't. So just to give an idea, hunter-gatherers still living in ancestral lands, um, you know, for example, across Africa have more than 250 different families of plants, not species, families. And to give you an idea, like all the cruciferous vegetables we talked about, that's all one genus of plants. <laughs> that's all one. So we're like, you know, insane variety and and, abund- and, and of foods of that, that we literally evolved to eat. We do not eat that variety of foods. You know, most people, if they eat, you know, three or four different varieties of plants, you know, like genus of plants in a week, that would be a lot. Do you know what I mean? So, so first of all, we do not have the variety of food that our ancestors had. Secondly, our food is um, the places where our plants come from. Soils are highly depleted. So we're not getting the, the minerals in particular that should be coming up, like that we normally would get from a plant. We're not going to get them because the soil they're grown in, plants can't make, iron they can't make selenium they can't make it has to come out of the soil and the soil's depleted we're not going to get it
0: and even the world health organization has said oh it. yeah
1: no absolutely there's no question and then also there's two other reasons one when we have a chronic condition an autoimmune condition any of these things our bodies already have trouble absorbing nutrients and maintaining adequate nutrient levels just the level we the basic level we need and then the final reason is there's a lot of research that shows if this may just be maintenance level at higher levels certain nutrients can have incredibly therapeutic benefits. Like for example, we need like this much vitamin E is just how much our body needs just to get through the day. But we know at higher doses, vitamin E can be an incredibly powerful antioxidant and we're not gonna get that level of vitamin E from our food. So like there's certain things where you're like, okay, I could get enough. Like, And then we find things like berberine. Berberine is in the skin of wild grapes. I don't know about you, but I don't go around eating a lot of wild grapes. So if I want the benefits of berberine, I'm gonna have to get them in a capsule black seed oil. Okay. As you know, I'm like, we'll sing the praises of thymoquin till the end of time. There's no way you can eat enough cumin seeds. Like you would give yourself a stomachache, and not only that, cumin is delicious in cooking that much cumin. I tried to take straight cumin oil. Oh my God, was it horrible. Yeah. Um, so, I know
0: Waxigol has a, if you're taking an oil, a lot of people can't take it because of the taste, which is why I'm
1: so happy we have soft right? gels. Oh, it's amazing. No, the gels are fantastic. And I put cumin in my cooking, like, but cumin is a strong flavor. Yeah. So again, the, um, so there's certain things that we can't take in those, that we have to take as a supplement because we just can't get it. We're not getting cumin all day long as much as I love it. So those are the various reasons why we take supplements and people, you know, like I said, in a perfect world, if we all were hunter-gatherers still back in the plains of Africa, you're right, we wouldn't need supplements. but living in, you know, in Maryland, the modern age, I do need supplements. Mm. And yes, there are supplements that will, you don't want to ever take supplements with your thyroid medication. So take your thyroid medication first thing, and then wait. Um, How long for, after? So you, a minimum a half an hour, usually an hour is better. For any kind of mineral, you actually want it to be much. So like I take my magnesium at night, taking thyroid hormone, At you know, if you take magnesium, you do not want to take thyroid medication at the same time, because it can um, actually bind the hormone and compete for, uh, you know, make it harder to absorb.
0: So how long, um, so because I take both and mm-hmm. I take my magnesium in the morning and at night actually, and I take my right. medication in the morning and at night. Yeah. So I, taking it two hours apart can be difficult. So what's the minimum when I'm taking my thyroid medication? To um,
1: take I mean, I would say that, I mean, two hours is probably the best. What you might find is you may end up taking a little, needing a little bit more thyroid hormone to kind of compensate for what you're not absorbing. Um, so just one tangent, which is, uh, is that some people find the doctors will always tell you, take your thyroid form first thing in the morning, cause they want to be on an empty stomach. So you okay. just want to take it with water. Some people find, and I actually have a TikTok about this, that I was blown away when I started looking into the research, taking it at night changes their lives. As long as you have a gap, as long as it's like about a two hour gap between your last meal and, uh, and your medication there's a couple of reasons. One, you have an empty stomach, right? When you're sleeping, your digestion moves a little more slowly. So you actually have time to absorb more of the medication. And there's some evidence that your liver is actually more active at night and can do more of the conversion of the hormone from T4 to T3. So I've literally had people say they've switched from taking the morning and they've lost 10 pounds just from changing 10 to 20 pounds just from taking the hormone at night.
0: But what if you take it twice a day? I take my medication, my thyroid medication twice a day.
1: Right. So then take it, you know, some people take it morning, but and evening or afternoon and evening or something like that. It totally depends on you. I can't take it in the evening because I find if I take my T3 at night, now that I'm thinking about this, I'm like, you you know, so I'm taking T4, keeps me up. Now, some people that doesn't bother them. For me, my sleep is so sensitive that if I take anything, the slightest bit stimulating, I will be yeah, awake. I can't, I can't, I can't it, take, I for can't... example, testosterone cream. I tried it once before bed. I was up for like six hours, um, but also T three I can't. It'll just it's like taking a little bit of coffee for me. Not everybody has that. I can't. Yeah,
0: you have to listen. Even vitamin D, some people can't take it before bed because it stimulates. Cell. Oh really? I
1: didn't, That's interesting. Yeah, vitamin
0: D, magnesium three and eight. I cannot take that. I remember when I yep did a crazy bout of Hashimoto's and I was taking mag three and eight. Um, and I can't. Ta- I can't take it before bed because now I'm like, hmm, but glycinate like- is a different story. Glycate oh, cell- and
1: and I yes. I buy magic last night to sleep us three. I slept. You would not <laughs> okay, believe my sleep. Oh,
0: I mean sleep us and magnesium together as a combo is just it, it is magic. So I'm I'm happy you said that. Then we'll talk about that. Okay. So let's talk about the, the supplements for thyroid health. So what's in your bundle? So we've got thymoquin in the bundle.
1: Right. So yeah. so, 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 so there's life. a couple of things I'll talk about what's in the bundle and then a few other things I recommend for people with thyroid issues um, in general, both that are amorphous products and other um other just supplements. One, okay, so the bundle has four things. I literally had to narrow it down from nine. <laughs> so, so, basically, just everything that Morpheus, you need to have like the everything bundle, like just buy all Morpheus products. Sure. Um, in like here's your 30 day, you know, 30 day subscription. So, okay, so there's four things in the bundle. One is, um, and I also wanted to make it a little bit, um, accessible in the sense of things that people are familiar with. So first we have, um, in the bundle, of course, we love, um, we thimoquin. talked about to- what? thymoquin. Thymoquin. Okay, so thymoquin is black seed oil. The research is Andrew, You can see on her website. Ridiculous number of studies on the benefits of black seed oil. Good. Digging specifically, so that's all about menopause, about overall health, about inflammation, and so on, about brain health. Digging specifically into thyroid stuff. I like went down this black seed rabbit hole that I could have written a freaking dissertation. <laughs> like I had come up with a few points for like the, you know, for the, the thyroid bundle, you know, site. I could have been like, you know, like references in chapter seven or so. you know, um, thymicoid, black seed oil has been found to lower antibodies, raise um, thyroid hormone production, lower specifically inflammation in the thyroid, which reduces damage. I mean, just so many things, not to mention things like, um a study specifically of people with hypothyroidism and we're talking about people who already were diagnosed with hypothyroidism just taking black seed oil nothing else you no know, other intervention their waist size went down their um you know the bmi went down thyroid hormone production went up tsh went down remember tsh means that their thyroid is functioning better um antibody levels went down. Oh, I was just telling Andrea recently, I'm actually reducing my thyroid hormone doses for the first time in like a decade. I've changed nothing except I've started taking black seed oil. And I just take, I take two every morning. Um, I take them on an empty stomach, You can actually take more. I personally can't because I tend to have low blood pressure, and we have black seed oil, can actually, especially with
0: thymoquine, it it absorbs really well. It's insane. It's it's such a high quality with, like, you know, less than 1% or less than 2% free fatty acids. So it literally helps. And it will help the, the research on thymoquin on morphous thymoquin is that it can reduce blood pressure literally within three days. So yes, yeah. if you are, which
1: fantastic for people of high blood pressure, I just happen to yeah. have low blood pressure.
0: If you have low blood pressure. So for me, if I take, I take two thymoquin a day, again, anti stomach very important, but if I take four and I take it with berberine, my blood, I'll get, I'll get dizzy because it will, I went my-
1: to the doctor and she was like, she yeah. literally had to take my blood pressure twice because yeah. and I was like, no, but it was even lower than it's usually been. And I'm like, yeah. you know, so you sure. I've just, had hypotension. I've had low blood pressure my whole life. So that's- yeah. You um, want to be but,
0: mindful of that. So yeah, yeah, you don't want to take- So two, but, two a day is the dose. Two a day, right?
1: So I take two, two a day. Then- you can,
0: um, you can go up to four, but just, again- Yeah, no,
1: I'm take to, take that's, and pressure. that's only to check your blood pressure, right? Some people benefit from four and especially yeah. if you have high blood pressure by all means. But for me, I just found two is like the sweet Nine, spot. Both. Yes. So that's thymoquine. Then- um I mean, magnesium. Magnesium is 300 um, different biochemical reactions, more than 300 biochemical Four. reactions. Yeah. Everything from your brain to your muscles, your gut. You, I mean, magnesium is needed for everything. Like, every cell in the body, too. By the way, every cell it. in the body. Yeah. Um, I mean, magnesium is just unbelievably important for uh, detoxification. And and I always say like the top five things are the top like things that people think about: anxiety, migraines, muscle spasms. Um, digestion and sleep. Like those, and th- those are just, I mean, there's a million other things. But anybody comes to me in one of those five, and I'm like, let's talk about like the first thing, I'm like magnesium. Yeah. Migraines and yeah. all those magnesium. So, um, but also we know, I mean, magnesium is also in terms of anxiety. I mean, but also in terms of like sleep, because of making sure more of the calming neurotransmitters, just so many things that magnesium is needed for. So magnesium, absolutely. And we're, and like, overwhelmingly people are deficient in magnesium because we just don't get it Something enough like from our like 70 to 80% of us, by Yeah, the way. 80% at least. Are, and, and again, that's remember I'm- that's just who don't have sufficient magnesium, not actual optimal levels are higher. So magnesium, so thamaquine, magnesium, and then two of the others, um, are TOCO-E1 because vitamin E is important for thyroid hormone and thyroid health in general, um, Um, vitamin E is the most important antioxidant protecting your cells, literally in the cell membrane. Remember I was talking about sometimes when people have inflammation, you literally cannot get thyroid hormone into your cells. So vitamin E is a critical antioxidant. And when we say antioxidant, what it literally does is your cells are made of fat or literally we call a bilipid layer, the actual membrane of your cell. It's made of fat and um, free radicals, Ox- what we call reactive oxidative species, which are just naturally made as part of metabolism, but also toxins can literally damage that layer. And vitamin E helps prevent that layer, that, that damage to our cells. So vitamin E, critical for when you have a thyroid issue, make sure thyroid hormone can get into the blood stream, uh, from the bloodstream into your cells. So vitamin E among, and also vitamin E is incredibly important just to make thyroid hormone. Vitamin E and selenium work together to make thyroid hormone. So very protective of the thyroid itself. And Morpheus Vitamin E is is um is a different nor- Normally we get tocopherols. This is tocotrienols. Very, I mean, the research on it much more easily absorbed and so on. So Vitamin E incredibly important. I more mean, more
0: powerful. And I'll put a link so to many, Dr.
1: so there. many things. I mean, there's just Vitamin E is incredibly important in our bodies. Um, it. I mean, it's yeah, it's a brain health and so on. So um, Vitamin E, and then the last of this again, my like. Starter bundle because I would have added many more morpheus products. Um, was the omega threes, and so omega three fatty acids, incredibly important. We do not get enough in our diets. Um, we have an overabundance of omega sixes because of our people have high grain diets, and also even our our foods. If if you don't eat poultry that's pasteurized, uh, that's sorry, pasteurized pasture raised. <laughs> You're not gonna pasteurize your chicken. <laughs> pasture raised chicken you know actual true free range chicken or and also a true free range beef you're also getting omega 6s in your protein
0: we get so much omega 6
1: right and omega 6s can be more especially the ratio between omega 6 and 3 can be inflammatory omega 6 is important but we need that ratio to shift so we need more omega 3s we get it through fish oils um and i i mean i eat fish like your fatty fishes your salmon's and mackerel and sardines and so on but again we often can't get enough omega 3s incredibly important for brain health um, for blood sugar regulation. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's, I mean, again, it's also, um, antioxidant protects our cells, protects our bodies from, um, inflammation. So omega-3 is incredibly important. So those were the four, like that I started with, um, other ones that would be very valuable because people have thyroid issues often have blood sugar imbalance issues, berberine, um, pycnogenol, incredibly, um, valuable for the brain. Again, remember we talked about memory issues, brain fog, and I so love- on.
0: I love pycnogenol Like it and, yeah. it and it helps with like over 30 different menopausal symptoms. It's yeah, no, so, so many pycnogenol. things. I love our pycnogenol. Exactly.
1: Hormone balance and so on. Um, of course, right behind you, fibrous. Um, not only is fibrous incredible, not only does that um it's you know insoluble fiber, which is incredibly important, that helps literally move food through your gut, but it also helps feed your microbiome. Inevitably. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, someone with an autoimmune condition has gut dysbiosis of some level and has gut issues of some level. We need to feed our gut microbiome. Um, so and, and fibrosis. Fibrosis
0: is a prebiotic, by the way. So right, exactly. So it feeds pre-biotic the microbiome. feeds the good bacteria, you know. It's the food. Exactly.
1: The it's food, exactly. And that's what I love about it, it's not just a bulking agent. No, it's not. No, no, it's, no, it's it's actually helps yeah. help the fiber is fiber food for the microbiome, and the microbiome therefore create a healthy gut. It's not, again, it's not like we're not taking something to, we're not trying to substitute. Oh, I don't get enough fiber. Let me take this. It's more like, oh, I need to actually feed my gut microbiome to keep it healthy. Um, the first line of defense is our microbiome in our guts in, before even our own immune system or our commensal bacteria. Um, so I would have done the fibrous. So what else did I say? The berberine, the fibrous, the um, the pycnogenol. I mean, all of those I would have chosen. Nope.
0: It's so interesting because when we, when we launched um, Morphous products, I never really thought of it in terms of thyroid health. I mean, as you're saying all this, I didn't realize pycnogenol is even great for for thyroid health. That's pretty interesting to me. And um, you know, for me, it was about, okay, how do we help our symptoms? But you know, it, as we go into this phase of life, we need so much extra support. So for me, you know, I, I just, I'm happy to know And again, this isn't something Danny and I talked about bef- beforehand. So I'm happy to know that so many of our products can actually yeah. help with thyroid I'm health. literally
1: Zoom. I'm, oh, and then I'm, I'm literally going through like, okay, which are the other ones I love, like uh, on your, on your site, like to write the, um, the, and also, okay, then the other one, of course, as we, as you know, you and I talk about all day long is when you have thyroid issues, you often have sleep issues. And, and not only that we have um, thyroid issues and sleep, you know, sleep um, issues in general, but me- perimenopause, menopause, obviously with sleep issues, but, you know, lack of sleep and literally having an unhealthy, you know, sleep and not enough sleep. I mean, sleep deficiency is an epidemic in the Western world. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The idea that people think sleep is optional. Um, it's just, it's, it's not. I mean, sleep I is the thyroid. most important component it's- of, of health. It's-
0: thyroid exactly. gut health like and you talked about sorry sleep and gut health i mean yeah it's no it's so important. what how does thyroid impact that sleep because i definitely mm-hmm. i mean yes. it's you know and I'll you know danielle and i will text all the time be like okay here's our sleep like we, we <laughs>
1: send i've I, got to send you my sleep data from today it's gorgeous i'm really.
0: obsessed with sleep data it's and very, um, um, and visible. for me it's very interesting so how does the thyroid affect our sleep i know we touched upon it a little bit earlier but like yeah. how does it act it's like you know, I, I don't need the mechanism of it, but just like, yeah. how does you know, it definitely, does it affect our REM sleep? Does it affect our deep sleep? Does it affect overall? Like, how does it affect it?
1: So, I mean, it, your thyroid is like sleep in so many different ways, Um, again, because of hormone balance, right? Your thyroid is gonna affect things like cortisol and melatonin, that's whole signal, right? We need the cortisol to be high during the day, low at night and vice versa, because your thyroid affects, you know, helps orchestrate that signal. Of course, I have to go into the mechanisms. <laughs>
0: You're a scientist, uh, I get it.
1: When you're hypothyroid, often your adrenals are called upon to to like if you literally don't have enough energy, your body starts producing cortisol as like a it's almost like if you haven't slept, you take caffeine. If your thyroid isn't t- giving your body the energy, you know, thyroid hormone isn't adequate to give your body the energy it needs, then um your your adrenals are going to be called in to produce cortisol and so on. So that's gonna mess up your cortisol melatonin cycling. Um when you have Thyroid issues, you tend to have gut issues. When you have gut issues, you're not producing the serotonin. So, serotonin is really important to keep your whole system stable, that whole vagus nerve, parasympathetic. If your thyroid is off, you cannot shift from sympathetic, fight, flight, flee, to, I mean, fight, flight, freeze, to sympathetic, uh, parasympathetic, rest, digest, repair, and so on. So, that part of that is literally that switch, the switch from fight for survival to thrive.
0: Hence the 3 a.m. wake up
1: calls. Yeah. 3 a.m. Exactly. 3 a.m. My favorite time. 3, I, I open my eyes. And I'm like, oh, please tell me it's not 3.45. It's 3.45. You know, I just, I know magically it's going to be freaking 3.45, give or take 10 the minutes. number
0: one reason women are waking up in this phase of life is stress. We just, That's we, exactly. you not know, because,
1: and it's, it's, it's our body saying, okay, fine. You got that nap enough. Now go run from the tiger. Like your body doesn't know it's the mortgage or the spouse yeah. or the kids or it's running from a tiger. It's survival. Yeah. And so, um, and so as long as your body thinks it's fighting for survival, it's not going to shift into thriving mode. And that's yeah. how you're going to get the deep sleep. I have to tell you. So because since I started taking the sleep bus last night, I slept almost eight hours, which was, um, I eight. actually was really, which is actually long for me. Um, two hours and 28 minutes of deep sleep and one hour of 21 minutes of REM.
0: And this is sleep bus. So yeah, so, so sleep bus. Oh this, my gosh, it's this is insane. This is what I formulated sleep bus. And
1: what's this interesting is insane. Is
0: sleep us, it's insane. I know. And the thing about sleep us, and I do want to say it up front, it's not gonna work the first time you take it. Like no, it, and that's
1: what I put in my review. Exactly. Like exactly. It
0: literally, it's the type of product you have to it has to build up in your system. I'm talking you probably need three, four bottles for it to like yeah, really yeah, at least build up. Like you need to give a it a month. Proper.
1: Well, it'll take two weeks, you'll be a little sleepy up front. Yeah. And then but for your body to really and part of it is literally sleepless is helping your body shift the neurotransmitter balances in your brain. It's literally how, so your body gets into these grooves. And this is why people come to me and they're like, oh, they want to see me for like a month or two. And I'm like, that's not whether it's sleep or diabetes or whatever. Your body's in this groove and we need to get out of the groove and into a healthier one. So it takes a little while to shift. But here's an example. Uh, last Friday night, no, no Friday. Uh, yeah, Friday. I only, uh, or Thursday night, I said six hours and 20 minutes because I just didn't go to sleep on time. Um, I still got, two and a half hours of deep sleep and an hour and 15 okay. minutes of REM sleep. I woke up and this was, so I still get, I get two and a half hours of sleep, whether I sleep six and a half hours or seven and a half hours. Now the seven and a half is still better. do will get me wrong, but it's insane. It's insane. Like even a night when I like, could, so I've been going through a lot of stress, so I'm not sleeping as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 is, yeah, right, yeah, then you going through that. an insane amount,
1: insane stress right now, five hours of sleep two an hour and 57 minutes of it was deep sleep Absolutely. that's the only reason i've told andrew a million times the only reason why i'm functioning during this incredibly stressful period of my life is sleep us again i am not saying that anybody should only get five or six hours of sleep but the only reason why i'm able to get through this and get to the other side is because of sleep us it's it's insane it's like sleep us
0: and magnesium and magnesium I, I, together. I love the duo of it together you know what's oh. interesting danielle which i've learned about magnesium recently and you're taking how much two sleep us three magnesium exactly
1: yeah. That's, so the thinking, that's what I'm taking
0: about. now too. to sleep us. And I always play around. So for any of you who purchase sleep us, magnesium, the cortisol calm bundle, I, I, I send out these amazing emails that have like exactly how to take it, what to expect. You can play around. So my oh, dose certainly. right now is two sleep us, three magnesium, but you could, you can play, but here's, yeah. what's interesting about magnesium. If you have never taken magnesium before and you start taking our magnesium glycinate. So our magnesium dysglycinate is very absorbable. And I've had women who have told me that they've taken other brands, they start ours, and it's it definitely makes a huge difference. But what's interesting is if you've never taken magnesium or you've taken a brand that maybe doesn't absorb as well, you might notice. So don't start taking the magnesium before bed because what magnesium does is it actually helps your body to get rid of water. So it's not necessarily a diuretic. Whereas black seed oil is a diuretic, so if you find that you're peeing a lot more, that is something. So it helps with the bloating for a lot of women, but it is a diuretic. But if you've never taken mag and you start taking it, and you're peeing. It's you've got to give your body like a week or two to get used to taking the magnesium, so that it flushes the water from your system, and then start taking it at night. So I thought that was right. super interesting that um yeah. you know that in terms of it helps you kind of it helps makes you pee. So but the combo once you've been taking it for a week or two, taking the combo with sleep us with magnesium. I know
1: it's unbelievable. It's, I, I literally was saying somebody that that I was telling my son the other day, actually that Andrew's literally done the impossible, which is add more hours to the day because I literally can be like seven, seven hours. I live. I used to think I used to need almost eight hours of sleep. I literally do not need as much sleep. Like I now find, I feel good after like six and a half, seven and a half hours of sleep. Like just getting, this deep. is bizarre. Like deep, I, how rim, is it not? Yeah, uh, because I'm not sort of, I'm spending more time in deep sleep, you know, so now I find like seven hours of sleep feels great i'm like this is weird how did i just get an extra hour in the day it's so
0: no it, and it's a combination and i've said this so many times it's a combination mean. of like three different supplements that we literally put into one so no, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that and yes sleep is super important and i'm very proud of sleep Us and taking it with mag so i'm happy to hear that and before we end which by the way thank you i'm so glad that it's working for you and that you have such mm-hmm. positive things to say For the last thing I want to say before we go, um, because I think we're coming up two hours of our conversation is I'd love you to just talk. You said there's some other supplements that women may want to consider taking as much as I love amorphous supplements. I do want to make sure that we cover other supplements and then we will wrap it up.
1: Okay. So really, really important actually for your thyroid is selenium. Selenium is both a part of the, um, a part of the, um, the, hormones, I mean, the enzymes that make thyroid hormone, it's also critical for converting thyroid hormone from T4 to T3. So you need, selenium is a critical part of that enzyme. So we need adequate selenium. Some people say, oh, I'll take some Brazil nuts. Again, you cannot count on food sources because when they've tested Brazil nuts, there's anything, there could be a 4,000% difference between one Brazil nut and the next. So I always recommend selenium, um, 200 micrograms a day of selenium. And that's, um, and you want selenomethionine because that's the kind that's most easily absorbed. And you can take
0: it with the tocoe. You can Oh, take totally. It. In
1: fact, I recommend taking selenium and toco together because yes. selenium and to- and vitamin E work together. Um, so selenium is one vitamin D. We often do not actually, um, make maintain adequate levels, either absorb vitamin. it or ad- maintain adequate levels of vitamin D. Almost everyone is sufficient in vitamin D. Vitamin D is, is what we call an immunomodulator. So it not only, it, it, it helps the immune system have an appropriate response, which is why with autoimmunity, we want our immune system to not this or this. And one study found actually in October of um, 2020, um, that 80%, 80% of the people who are hospitalized with serious COVID symptoms were mass, were very deficient in vitamin D. I mean, because remember, the reason why people died of COVID, it wasn't, it wasn't that COVID, it was their own immune system overreacting, right? It was the, the cytokine storms and so on. Vitamin D. I'm still amazed that we didn't just all get the damn recommendation to start taking vitamin D as soon as COVID started. Vitamin That's D's another story.
0: Community.
1: Vitamin D is so important for the immune system. Um it's also important for bone health and brain health and heart health and so on. And you should take vitamin D with K. Vitamin K2, um, yeah, vitamin We have D- a
0: product coming out next year that Danielle helped me. Um, we won't say what it is. Well, it's called Stress Us, but we won't get into the details. And that's hopefully yeah. we're going go to go the next year. She helped me formulate it that has the
1: D. Was, which I yeah, exactly. Oh, I was so excited about that. Yes. I'm very, very excited about that. Just, uh, so, um, so yeah, so D, so vitamin D, selenium, both really, really important. Um, another thing that I recommend that people take is especially good for your thyroid. Also amazing for blood sugar balance is um, myo-inositol. So myo-inositol is a, it's called a sugar alcohol. It's neither a sugar nor an alcohol. That's just the biochemical formula. Um, it does taste slightly sweet. It's not a sugar. Your body does not react to it as a sugar at all, but it comes in a powder. And um, the, actually we're we fine is, it's fantastic for, again, blood sugar balance. You can take it, it's a You're very like. fine white powder. It looks like um, confectioner sugar. You can take up four grams of it a day. You can, I mean, it, put in water, it dissolves immediately, but it ends up myonositol is an amazing antioxidant. And recently, so I knew it was great as an antioxidant. I knew it was fantastic for your liver. And I knew it was recommended for people with thyroid issues, but I didn't know why had to dig in. Ends up myonositol is critical for the functioning of thyroid peroxidase, the actual enzyme that makes thyroid hormone. So your body makes myonositol, but by taking it as a supplement, you can do amazing. It's phenomenal for supporting thyroid health. So it comes as a powder, and you, like I said, just a little scoop in water. You can take it any time of day, with or without food, doesn't matter. But inositol I'm finding is really beneficial for thyroid health. And again, it's also for insulin resistance, blood sugar balance in general, weight loss, so on. So that's MYO-myoinositol. You know, One caveat, if you have been diagnosed with PCOS, I would recommend not inositol, but something called uh, it's a combination of d chiroinositol and myonositol together. We'll put that in the um, in yeah. the show notes because it just ends up people with PCOS actually benefit, and myonositol alone might exacerbate the problem. Uh, that just you want to take a different form.
0: And one of the things about myonositol, I know people have taken it, it, makes them nauseous. So just again, always listen to your body.
1: Yeah, listen to your body. You can take it with food if that's the case. If it takes them not, or you can take it in different doses, yeah. like take it throughout you know throughout the day. But it actually is really good for thyroid health because it like I said, it supports um um and needs myonostalin only function.
0: Amazing. Danielle, thank you so much. Okay. This has been awesome.
1: <laughs> Two mm-hmm. hours, yeah. we got it all in. <laughs> oh my god, right. Yes. <laughs> and we Thanks. could go on longer, I'm sure. Oh case sure. oh, okay. amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And I'm well, sure I- I'll think of like five more sub. So. Oh,
0: I meant to say this. Yeah. Well, well hello you can come back anytime right. so you can come back on anytime and we'll continue the conversation oh and the,
1: actually i would add one and that is um b, methylated b vitamins i wouldn't take them i mean for people with thyroid issues often we need methylated b vitamins you don't necessarily need to take them all the time but we often need like three times
0: a week i say if anyone's yeah. taking B's, three times a week not in every exactly. day
1: but but bees are really important, important. Um, especially detoxification methylation i mean you know and and really supporting your liver health food
0: and carbohydrate metabolism too, yep. but like That's three right. times a week, three, four times a week is, right. uh, give you what you need. Well, okay. again, speak to a practitioner, or somebody who knows what they're telling, ta- you know, for when you're taking anything, right. you want to speak to somebody who, uh, who right. understands and who knows. So okay. thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate I you having on it. having you on. I love it. All right. Thank you. And come back okay. soon. Okay. I know that was a longer interview than normal. I normally try to keep it to about an hour. But there was so much to cover with Danielle about thyroid health. So, and I also wanted it to be on one podcast. So it lived in one place. So you don't have to go to several different ones to hear the information. So we're going to break it out on YouTube. We'll break it out in terms of what topics we're covering throughout the interview to make it easier for you in order to go back if you wanted to listen to one section. And I would appreciate it if you could share it because the more you share shows you care. And I hope you learned a lot. Danielle is a wealth of information and she knows her stuff when it comes to thyroid health. So if you have any thyroid issues, consider working with her. Even if you want to do a consultation with her to look at your blood work, she is awesome. And like she said, she can work with you, whether you have a thyroid issue or you have an autoimmune issue. So highly recommend reaching out to her. We'll put her information below as well. Thank you for spending the last two hours with us. Uh, We appreciate your time. I know you can be doing a lot of other things, but you chose to do it and spend your time with us. So thank you. I'm grateful for you. And I'll see you at the next podcast.